and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. If you want to help us improve more, you can actually sign up for our Patreon and donate to that Mm -hmm. at the Kinky Tavern. Um, And you can send us questions or suggestions to any of the following. Yes. We're at the Kinky Tavern on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. And that's all one word, the Kinky Tavern. We are also separately on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I am at pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. You can also join our Discord through our link tree or through um, messaging us and we'll send you a link. Yes. We'd love to have you engage with us and help us make this the best place to learn about kink. Yeah, and you can find us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Almost all the places. Hi, Pup Wrecker here. Here at the Kinky Tavern, we support a person's right to bodily autonomy. Our lovely Lord, Alan Vidra has provided us with a link to a list of gynecologists who will perform tubal sterilization which has doctors listed by state. This will be linked in the description of the episode and added to our link tree. So what can we do right now? Here in Kansas, current legislation allows certain abortions to be legal and others to be reviewed by the courts in exigent circumstances. If the bill is passed, no abortions will be legal. Vote no against this bill on August 2nd to continue current legislation regarding abortions rather than banning abortion by labeling it in the Constitution as unprotected. If anybody is going to protest, be safe and be ready to protect yourself. The peace only lasts as long as the counter-protesters and cops allow it. Look for organizations who have been doing this work for a long time. This is only just becoming impactful enough to the general public and those who have power and privilege, but many marginalized groups have been fighting for their right to bodily autonomy for decades. Also in our link tree is our kinky resource list. This contains books, movies, podcasts, authors, artists, YouTubers, and more. Also, if you have any suggestions to add to this list, please DM us or email us. We always look to add more. Pup Wrecker here again, with an update on Scruff Pup's Bark Against campaign. The campaign is still going on. They have met their goal on their Kickstarter, though. However, the Kickstarter is still going for the next... 30, 40 days. So any more money given to the Kickstarter will go to help support making more pins and possibly other things as well. Please go check out their Kickstarter and their page and support the Bark Against Movement. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy. And I am Pup Rucker. And today we're going to be talking about Protocol and honorifics. Yes, sir. Ma'am. Madame. Doctor? That works. Oh, okay. Go with doctor, then. So, first, before we talk about honorifics, we're going to talk about protocol. Honorifics are a type of protocol, or kind of under the umbrella of protocol. But they also have 
their own monsters. Uh, so what is a protocol? Protocol is like a rule or something that's discussed in a dynamic that you do that is like routine or something unique to your relationship. Yeah. It's basically a meaningful action within a kink dynamic. Not all power exchange dynamics have protocols and not all people with protocols consider themselves in a DS dynamic. Right. So everyday dynamics and protocols will look different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, why do people do them? Because it's a, I guess, kind of a reminder mm-hmm. it's of like, your relationship. Yeah. Something confirming it. Yeah, it's affirming of the structure and relationship you have, the role you have in your relationship. And it also can strengthen the skills of one or both parties, depending on what the action is. Yeah. There are levels of, or that's how they're talked about, as in levels of protocol. Uh, they're honestly really subjective to each person. Mm-hmm. One dynamic's high protocol could be another's medium or someone else's idea of low. Some dynamics are 24-7, low protocol, and then they go high protocol at certain events. Really, any mix of levels, protocols, time frames, etc. can exist within dynamics. Yeah. Mostly, we do, like, low protocol kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't even really say it's low protocol. It's just kind of something we do. Yeah. Um, like, I wear my day collar. Mm-hmm. Um we check in, we try to check in with everybody every day mm-hmm. and make sure everyone's good and try and check in before bed. So that's usually a pretty low protocol thing. Mm-hmm. But other people do it in different ways through like making, like picking out your outfit or very simple things that can be very affirming to your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I did also want to mention that there are high protocol events that exist and high protocol at those are not very subjective. (laughs) They will often send you a list of rules and we actually have a whole section about that later on. So these levels of protocol, so like low, typically in a dynamic, low protocol is what's shown to the public. These are things that may not be obvious to an average vanilla person. Example, submissive can wear work appropriate clothes, but must wear their day collar, Mm -hmm. such as record. Medium protocol is the everyday routines, the rituals, etc. of a dynamic. So things you do when you're in the privacy of your own home. For example, the submissive must always wear a collar and home-approved clothing. And I've seen people oftentimes, oftentimes the clothing for home-approved is not uh, very covering, just for personal preference. But uh, so like shorts and tank top or a dress or lingerie or even naked. Um, I know a lot of Doms request that their submissives don't wear underwear when they're in their home. Mm-hmm. So, stuff like that. And high protocol, certain events call for certain protocols. So, like, again, there's those high protocol events, but there's also when I've gone to events in the past with submissives of mine, I've had them be high protocol in that they are wearing a collar and are leashed or staying beside me. And they can only leave with permission. They can only speak to me or people in our group, etc. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, usually in a service manner as well. So they would go and get you water or food or whatever you need. Yes, absolutely. That is definitely one of my things is anticipatory service. Or even just service in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so examples of high protocol are like submissive must be dressed entirely by the dominant in dress, corset, stockings, heels, posture, collar, leash, leather etc etc that list can go on and on so after covering those levels and just kind of what they mean and what what people mean when they talk about levels because again they're entirely subjective Mm -hmm. really the only 
The only thing they serve to do within a dynamic is to explain, these are the things that you do in the privacy of our home. These are the things you do when you are in view of others. And these are the things we do when we are at BDSM events or whatever events you go to. So examples of protocol, communication requirements, you had mentioned that. Yeah. So like phone or text check-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a set-aside time in our relationship with Alan that we have a weekly yeah, like a Zoom video call, call. Mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah, just some kind of check-in, some kind of longer-term check-in than just texting back and forth. Yeah, it's kind of like a just a hangout for a couple hours on mm-hmm. video call, or even if it's just a regular call. Um, but like we always like do our best to communicate during the week. We do we try and do the morning and nightly check ins mm-hmm. and kinda of talk throughout the day if we can. Alan's actually been the one to get me into Snapchat because I <sighs> didn't do Snapchat before because I was always really nervous about how I looked except to record. And it's a really cool way to be a little more uh have a little more intimate com- conversations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Intimate communication. Even if you're just telling them how your day went, it feels different coming from a video than a text. I don't know. There can also be like educational or work requirements. This can be you have to go to work every day of the week or you have to you can only have X amount of sick days in a month or you can only work during work hours. <laughs> That's a rule that I'm sure some people have to have. Uh there's also educational ones that have to do with school in the same way, but there's also educational requirements that have you educating yourself about dynamics about yeah. kink. BDSM. Yeah, I mean, with the way classes are being done now online, mostly, like the majority of classes you see out there now are just online or in a Zoom class or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're everywhere, anytime you want, pretty much anywhere in the world, Mm because it's online. And there's lots that are free or sliding scale. Sliding scale or free or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's always nice to have, it's nice to have that available to where you can if you wanted to go to a class, you could pretty much at any time. Yeah. And then you can always be learning more about what you're interested in, and that can help you grow as a person and like spread your knowledge and stuff. Yeah, definitely. It can help you grow as an individual and help your dynamic grow. Yeah. Uh, there could also be scheduling requirements, such as routines, uh, bedtimes, wake-up times, meal times, etc. Um, have to be home at a certain time, that kind of thing. We don't do any of that. No, we don't really do any of that. But that's something that's an option for people. No, yeah. It's an example of protocol. Also, like secretary and administration type work. Um, <laughs> which that's I need. your job. I need because that's my job right now and it's, it's hard. Uh, no, I, I'm too much of a control freak with it. I probably wouldn't be able to give it up. Quick, uh, quick poly tip. Join a Google Calendar together. Yes, have a Google Calendar together. That, that is all. That, that's Wrecker's quick poly tip. Google Calendar. Put everyone on it. It's sad how true a lot of the stereotypes and jokes about poly are because Google Calendar and sharing your streaming passwords and we do both. Yes. Yeah. So, another example of protocol is like rules. So speech restrictions, dress requirements, chores, stuff like that. Um, Speech restrictions, like I said, at parties, um, a lot of times I would have my submissive restricted to only speak to people within our group, within our Mm -hmm. close friends, or even just our poly group. Yeah, and that's usually like a high protocol type thing. But, I mean, if you're in more of a master-slave relationship, that could be a more of a low protocol thing. 
Yeah. So it's it's really subjective on what's classified as low and what's classified as high. It's just typically something like that would be more high protocol. Right. But I guess, I guess the master-slave is more of a high protocol in general dynamic. Right. So. Yeah. One of my favorite idealized protocols, I guess, that I like is uh, rituals. So like service time, coffee, tea, cigar service, something like that. Position training, such as kneeling a certain amount of time at the dom's feet or going through your positions and showing me each one or learning new positions or... I always like a good footstool. Yeah. Furniture, you know, furniture mm-hmm. time, stuff like that. There's also commands, learning to follow certain commands, training on following them, stuff like that. Sometimes these are very particular, like domestic service with position training. So like, you know, you're going to be dressed as a maid and doing domestic service, but you're going to be in positions all the time. Or sometimes it's not very particular. It's this means get me a coffee, you know. Or it means you're going to serve me the cigar and then you're I'm going to put my feet up on you. Mm-hmm. And then you're also going to meet my ashtray as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and getting into honorifics and titles. Like I said, honorifics and titles are a part of protocol. Honorifics and titles are given to people by partners or by other members of the community. And of course, this, this should be negotiated before the title or honorific is given. Yeah. Uh, a lot of honorifics and titles, majority of them, I would say, would be like just relational or dynamic-wise. Mm-hmm. But there are actually like official titles and honorifics given to people by the community itself. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I would say you don't have to honor everyone's honorifics or titles if you don't want to, especially if you're new. Absolutely agree. I think that outside of like a pro dom or high protocol type situation, mm-hmm. nobody should ever require you to call them by anything except, you know, their name. <laughs> right. Especially if they're new, mm-hmm. um, just because that can be very off-putting. Like, I'm sir, and you must call me this, or else you're not allowed here, or whatever they're going to say. Yeah. It's very, I mean, you're just going to scare people away with that. Right. And that's not good. Yeah. Like, you should always be able to negotiate what that means, whether you're the one calling them that, or the one with that title or honorific being spoken to you. Mm-hmm. You should be able to negotiate with that person what it means. Or at least know that they have some knowledge of what it means. Yeah. So if someone in your leather family is referring to you as sir, I think that's absolutely appropriate. A lot of times in leather, that's required. And I I respect that. However, if I'm not in your leather family, I'm not required to call you sir. Yeah. So you can negotiate to use honorifics for just a play scene to make it hot. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, long-term dynamic. But everyone should know what it means. Everyone using it in the dynamic should know what it means, and the duration it's going to be, basically, is this temporary? Is it just for a scene? That's really important, because if dominant Sir Mr. Gray comes in, and the newbie wants to scene with them, and they require them to call him Sir, or Daddy, or something like that, that might spark some feelings that, you know, that might mean more to one person than it does another. So you should negotiate the meaning. And how far it goes. There are also community honorifics, as I said. So these are official titles earned and given by the community. They can also be unofficial titles. So official titles are things called title holders. 
Uh, there are competitions throughout the world where people compete to receive the honor of being a title holder. And a title holder is kind of think Miss America, kind of beauty pageant thing, but with more sex, blood, rock and roll, uh, education. Yeah, I think community outreach. The main thing is education and like, what are you going to be doing for the community? Yeah, community service. What what do you des- why do you deserve this title? Mm-hmm. What have you done for the community, basically? Absolutely. And it's it's really nice to have that and to be able to run for that and yeah. have that in our community. Definitely, I agree. There's also I know that some venues and some families and groups and whatever you want to call it, they will also have titles that have been given to people, such as the daddy of the night, the daddy of the dungeon has a certain job. Maybe he's the dungeon monitor, and they just call him the daddy. You still don't have to refer to him as the daddy. That's just not appropriate for them to require of you. But they they could be using that as a fun way to mark who's doing what Mm -hmm. job, service to the community. Yeah. An individual's labels, honorifics, titles, etc. can change and evolve over time. This can be through like self-discovery and evolution of your gender, sexuality, kinks, whatever. An evolution of a dynamic or relationship, and your definitions of the labels and titles that you're using can change. Yeah, you know that. I do. Probably the most of everyone that I know. I do. I have. I started as a high femme cis female. Yeah. Pain slut. Mm-hmm. Submissive. Now I'm a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm a non-binary princess. Dom sub switch thing mm-hmm. amalgamation yeah. yeah a lot of change and it's 100% customizable like I once I became non-binary I had just found the perfect title honorific role for me princess like that is perfect because mm-hmm. it shows my little kind of subby side but also that I'm spoiled and royal and not going to take anything from anybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had just found that and I kind of evolved realizing that I'm non-binary. And I was like, well, princess doesn't feel right anymore. So I threw a couple X's on it. Prince X. Boom. I made it. I customized it. I've also seen people that have P-R-I-N-X-E-S-S. I would assume you just said it like princess. Hmm. Anyway. So yeah. It means what you want it to mean. I mean, words are still words, and they have definitions, but you basically make it what it means to you. Yeah. It's more labels mm-hmm. and things to put people people's in boxes. Yeah. Well, on another note on that, princess, to me, like I said, means that I'm, I've got a little tiny bit of subby little in me, but most of it's dominant and mm-hmm. spoiled, and I get what I want and, you know, stuff like that. And to some people, princess could mean their slave is goes by princess. Mm-hmm. You know, it... High femme, high protocol, formal. Yeah. Very, I mean, it could, like, what you expect of a princess. Like, right. Like, typical fairy tale princess. Mm-hmm. That could be someone's definition, and then you have your definition, which is the rebellious princess. Right. It's like the difference between, like, Aurora and Merida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. It's... They're both princesses. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it is what you make it. And 
you know, with me, it's even gotten to the point that I oftentimes forget Wrecker's real name in vanilla or family situations mm-hmm. uh, and have called him daddy a time or two, which was not incredibly fun. Um, and I also don't like anyone else calling me sweetie because that's daddy's name for me. And he's not allowed to call anybody else. We've talked about it. He doesn't care to. That's my name. Yeah. So it's not like I'm demanding that of him. But we had that conversation and negotiated that that's our thing. And I really like that. If anyone else calls me it, even like as a pet name in public, it just... Well, and we also had to talk about other people calling me daddy. Mm -hmm. They had to okay it with you. And they had to be okay saying it as well. So it's kind of something that... You boys just call me, mm-hmm. but it also means a lot more to you. Right, and by okay it with me, I just think that it it means a lot to me when I call you daddy, and I want to to know that it means at least a little bit close to that, mm-hmm. to the person. Yeah. Yeah. So, great examples of honorifics, titles, etc. Uh, daddy, mommy, or dommy, they mm-hmm. all kind of mean the same thing. Sir, ma'am, mister, miss, or mix. Master, mistress, mixtress. Boy, B-O-I, or girl, or G-U-R-L. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, those also have specific leather meanings as well. And so the sir, master, mistress, and ma'am. Um, there's also really fun, interesting, creative ones like coach, chef, boss, captain. There's king, queen, god, goddess, my liege, princess, princess, prince. Yeah, actually, Alan uses chef for their owner, mm-hmm. um, their partner at home mm-hmm. that they live with. And I, I think the whole reason behind it is really awesome, and they can explain it a lot better. But um, Yeah, that's their story to tell, but it is really sweet and really yeah. cute. Yeah. Really awesome. It fits perfectly for them. It does. Uh, there's also things like slave, or you might hear uh, so Kajira or Kajiru. Um, there's also like puppy, pup, kitty, kitten, pet, bunny, whatever. All kinds of different names there. Woof. Roar. Roar. Do the roar. Roar. There's brat. Hutch. You should not Hi. be calling anyone a brat without Hi. negotiation or... You know, at least some sort of relationship there. But that is a term of endearment for some people. Hi. Yes, I know. You're a brat daddy. No. Yeah. Hi. You're there. Uh, There's little, little one, middle, baby girl, baby boy, baby, slut, doll, toy, Mm -hmm. and sweetie. And other things like that. People can, I've known people that use honey and that's their word. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. So, basically, any kind of in term of endearment um, you can use, even familial, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I've heard people using sister, brother. That's usually more in like a leather family context, but yeah, or like a pet. Um, but I mean, I've seen some dynamics where it's that way too. Yeah. So, so differing from honorifics, an honorific is what you call your partner or what your partner calls you. So. A label or role would be how you identify in the kink world. It's your role in the dynamic or in the kink community in general. Yeah, and that's all subjective on how you identify. Mm -hmm. Just like honorifics are a lot, they're very personal. 
Uh, they can be very personal. Just, I mean, they could just be personal between you and your relationship or your close people, basically. Mm-hmm. Or they can be just for the community. And I guess the same thing kind of goes with roles and labels, just like that. Yeah. Um, but it's customizable. Definitely. Everything in BDSM is customizable. We call it a buffet. You show up, you take what you want. Not really, not like that. You get permission and consent, but... <laughs> so, some labels and roles, of course, are dominant submissive, top or bottom, switch, slave, submissive, I already said submissive, master, mistress, mixtress, and with those, and with sir, ma'am, miss, etc., I do want to talk a little bit about the historical context of that. Historically, in leather and BDSM, Master was a very serious title to be earned. It was only gifted to deserving individuals to recognize their contributions and continued commitment to the community, kind of like we were mentioning with title holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was often within each leather community a set standard or at least some vague idea among the elders of what kind of person and behavior was worthy of a cap and therefore the honor of being called a master. Yeah, there was a very, I mean... You hear different things based on like what old leather was and how it was structured, and it was structured differently everywhere, obviously. Yes. Because no one place is going to do it the same way anywhere else does. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how it is. That's how people are. But there were some that were very strict, and like you had to work your way up from bottom to top to mm-hmm. master, and it just took years to do that, or however long it took you to do that, and that's how you earned your leather and your cap and all that. Yeah. And it was a very structured way of doing it. And, I mean, that goes back to the military and police and all that. Mm-hmm. Coming out of, what was it, World War Two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and World War Two. Yeah, both of the World Wars and Vietnam <clears> and Korean <throat> War and all of those. So, I kind of wanted to have a couple of talking points as we're going through this here. Do you think that self-identification as a master or mistress or something like that should be frowned upon in kink spaces and BDSM spaces? As far as someone just like calling themselves that, like brand new to the community or? Well, that's just it. We can't really tell. We can't always tell and we, you know, are we going to ask for a resume for everyone that wants to call themselves master? Mm, That's true. Um, difficult question. Right. I've seen a lot of discourse about it. And I have complicated feelings about it. Yeah. I feel like in order to call yourself a master, you would need to have a lot of experience in the community, obviously, and be well known within the community. I feel like mistress and mixtress are used a lot more often. And I feel like a lot of, I don't want to say that they're not held as highly as master, maybe, but it seems like those are a lot more commonly used and not as yeah, not taken as seriously, I guess, mm-hmm. than, like, master. So, my idea, I don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I was always under the understanding in the community that master meant something. That master meant you'd went through experiences and education and years of training to get to the point that you're at right now. That's what it should mean. But it doesn't always. And so we can't really stop everyone from coming in and calling themselves a master. Even on that life, I mean, self-identifying as a master, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, we should also maybe stop teaching newbies that... And I think that there has been a large change in the kink community that I've seen since I started. 
that we just stop teaching newbies that all masters are worthy of the title. Mm -hmm. Because some of them may not be worthy of what leather sees a master as. And they're going around calling themselves master. If a newbie has been taught to respect those that call themselves master as higher on the pyramid than they are, or higher on the hierarchy than they are, then they might fall prey to a predator Mm -hmm. who happens to call themselves master. You know what I mean? So it's a double-edged sword. I really do think that if we stop teaching newbies to respect those that call themselves master and only, I mean, that you should respect everyone, but, you know, don't show them a, they're not higher on the hierarchy than you. If you choose to insert yourself into a hierarchy such as leather, then you can worry about that stuff. But yeah, just an interesting, I've, I've seen a lot of discourse about it and I have complicated feelings about it, like I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a very tough question. Yeah. So as we were talking about protocol earlier, there is a huge range of protocol and strictness and structure between 50 shaders, those that are coming in with only the knowledge of the books or movies, and quote-unquote old garters. So. Old garters? Old guard. Oh, not like, okay. One of these days. Anyway, so there's a huge range between newbies coming into the community, being very casual about it, to old guard, quote-unquote, people. And I do want to mention that old guard, there was not a manual or a one collective of elders. There never has been. It's not a highly structured thing worldwide. It might be highly structured within a family. And if you have learned that way, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy it works for you. But that's for your family. That's for you and your family. That's not for everybody else. Yeah, there's not, like, an international weatherman's union. The one twilight. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it'd be great if there was. Um, right. But there isn't. And most of it... That? Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Uh, but, I mean, everybody, like I said earlier, everybody does it differently. And that depends on where you're at, whether you're on the East Coast, West Coast, in the Midwest, North, South, it doesn't matter. It's all going to be different. Or which person at the dungeon told you about it. <laughs> like, right. So where it started. And we're not being disrespectful. This is not no. being disrespectful. I hate what Old Guard has come to represent. It has come to represent that staunch, racist, sexist, misogynist, horrible, homophobic, white, middle-aged, older man Mm -hmm. that comes in and tells you the way you're doing that is wrong because it's not the one true way. I mean, a lot I mean, we talked about this in the last episode, a lot of the style that was centered around old guard was the mass, super masculine Mm -hmm. 50s, 60s greaser look. Yeah. And that was typically your cis white pet man. Mm -hmm. And it was the very masculine look, but that's what they adopted. Yeah. And I mean, the old guard came from military. You know, it's World War One and Two veterans. That military protocol and hierarchy, they really enjoyed. They either thrived on it as people or were taught to thrive on it. And when they came home, they didn't have that. And that was very different for them. Secondly, while they were over in, say, Germany or another France, another more progressive country, They may have seen cultures that were more accepting of sexuality and homosexuality in particular. So when they came back, they kind of wanted to carry that on and express their sexuality in different ways. And it's not just about gay men coming back. It was largely gay men, but also anybody that wanted to explore their sexuality. 
mm-hmm. in any way. And so leather evolved as a way to express one's sexuality while protecting yourself. It was subtle. It was secretive. The only place that many of these people could feel comfortable being themselves was at their leather club or at their meetup place. As I said, there was never one true way. Each region, club, family, house does things differently. Hell, leather can look differently between dynamics in the same family. It's so customizable, and it should be. That's why there's no one true way. Well, and leather doesn't, I mean, you can wear leather and not be like in a leather family. Right. It can just be something you wear. Very true. There Very is true. a lot of meaning that people put into leather, but it doesn't always have to mean that. Right. It's like, if you are a Christian, you put a lot of meaning into your cross, the cross. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I have to have that meaning for it. That doesn't mean that people on the other side of the world living in tribal regions that have never heard of Jesus or the cross need to have that meaning for it. Yeah. That is your meaning for it, and that means a lot, and that's great. But you don't have to push that one true wayism on people. It's just not... Yeah, I've heard of people, like, getting shit about wearing full leather gear and, like, having not earned it or whatever. And why are you hating on someone who just wants to wear leather? (laughs) I am sorry, if someone is wearing full leather at a kink event, which 99% of them, no matter what season is, are fucking hot mm-hmm. because of all of the bodies, they've they've earned their right to wear leather at that point. Yeah. If they're weather- wearing leather in that hot-ass environment, they've yeah. earned that. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I agree that that can just be a fashion statement. Yeah. It doesn't have to mean this whole old guard, whatever you want to mm-hmm. put into it. It's just leather. Yeah. Leather's sexy. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a way, I mean, it, they modeled it after the 50s, 60s mm-hmm. greasers. It was a masculine way of showing I'm masculine. I'm, I'm a big tough man. I'm big tough man. I'm hot. I'm sexy. Fuck me. You know who the last person to wear this leather was? 500 pound bull. <laughs> it holds cows together. <laughs> Throwback from the last episode. Mm. So in the 80s, the quote-unquote leather community of the time kind of divided into the gay leather scene and bikers who were the leather people that typically were looking for more of the straight side of things now that there were enough of them Mm -hmm. they kind of wanted to make their own little straight leather club so that's kind of where the bikers started with the leather and all of that stuff plus you know when you're on a motorcycle leather's pretty pretty useful pretty practical Mm -hmm. So there were already a group of them that were wearing the leather for practical reasons. And then there were this group of straight men that were wearing the leather for sexual, meaningful kind of reasons. So they just kind of joined together. And after that, there was really little to no overlap between the leather community, the gay leather community, and bikers. It was very separate. Mm -hmm. In the 90s, the AIDS epidemic hit, and more people who felt that they needed to hide due to the stigma on their gender or sexuality that was being spread with calling AIDS the gay disease also showed up. And so these people were needing somewhere to to be themselves or even to hide who they were. They could be a part of these families and they would learn the places they could go and be less than their full masked self, if that makes sense, their full vanilla cishet mm-hmm. version that they had to show the world for safety reasons. And with the AIDS epidemic, we also saw leather families truly becoming families in a way that was never, I mean, could not be replicated before this. This really 
solidified the family community aspect of leather. People were taking care of one another as they were dying because their families didn't care anymore. Didn't Maybe they didn't want their families to know because they wouldn't care anymore. They would disown them because they had AIDS, because it's the gay disease, or because they're gay. When someone would die, their leather family would often clean out their houses so that their families didn't find their leather and their sex toys. They were so closeted till the day they died sometimes. Yeah, and that I think a lot of the burning and passing down leather came from that as well. Yes, definitely. Um, at least what we see of it now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it meant a lot different way back when it started about earning and everything, but as people were dying in the AIDS epidemic, like you had all these people that were leather people, they had all this leather, and they didn't want it to just get thrown away by their family, so they would pass it down to the next generation, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's... If your master passed away... Mm-hmm. You would often, as you know, the primary slave would earn his leather mm-hmm. and that honor of wearing his leather, you know, stuff like that. So it did mean a lot. But in the beginning, I forgot to mention this. In the beginning, literally leather was just a way to look hot at the bar. Mm-hmm. It was literally just a way to go to these leather bars, look hot, show that you are a part of this group, signal to others that you're down to fuck. Mm-hmm. That's really what it was. So. Yeah, during the AIDS epidemic, it did. That's when the earning of leather became so solidified and so important to the community, so meaningful. And there is nothing wrong with that. If you choose to only wear earned leather, that is absolutely your choice. Absolutely your choice. I respect that. I think that's awesome. That is an amazing journey that you're going to be going on, and I hope you enjoy it. But that's not for everybody. So don't try to put that on everybody. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if some stranger knows what your leather means to you. You know. Your family knows. That's what matters. So, yeah. Moving on, we have, I just wanted to talk about some of the common protocols. And, again, this was so different from bar to bar, group to group, family to family, coast to coast. It was so different in every single place you would go. But a lot of times these kinds of things were posted or maybe these kinds of things were kind of back room. You know, when you got into the in group. Mm-hmm. Not just the public bar area, but the, the family part. So Well, and like I think pretty much all of this is in the Leatherman's Handbook, and that was like the so-called guidebook to being a Leatherman. But even in that, he acknowledges that yeah. this is just what I have written down from my experiences. Right. You can use this as you'd like. You can customize it. Like, he wrote that in the foreword, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to pull it out. So, anyway. So common protocols in leather, there was a clear hierarchy. Tops were mentors to bottoms, and almost everyone was required to start as a bottom to learn the ropes. Mm-hmm. This provided some protection, as collared bottoms were not to be approached without permission, so new people that had entered a mentorship and had that collar had some sort of protection from any other masters or tops that might try to prowl on them, I guess. I hate using that word because it like makes them sound predatory. But predators are everywhere. And so I'm not saying that leather men are predatory. I'm saying that there might be a predator in the midst. And so it provided that protection. Often in leather, leather equals experience. It's a common way that kinksters and leather people choose to express themselves. It shows that you have earned it. 
especially if you've got your patches on it and stuff like that. Like it shows people a lot of people that wear leather as an accessory or as something that's just because it's hot. Leather's a fetish outside of the leather community. People that wear it like that typically look different than people that wear it for community or because it's earned because it means something. So those that understand it, kind of, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Most people who are in it for community have like a lot of pins or they have accessorized their vest basically or any part of their leather outfit, um, typically. Also the way they treat their leather. Earned leather or leather that someone has meaning in will often not touch the ground. It will not be folded. It will, I mean, there's just certain, you can tell the reverence they have with that object. Yeah. In leather, a lot of times experience means more than position back at this time. Tops weren't automatically over all bottoms. There were bottoms that were quote unquote master bottoms. That's not a good word for it, but you know, like they were, they were alpha bottoms, I guess. So they, had experience. They had been in the community a long time. They had served the community a long time. So a top that started six months ago isn't going to be over them, you know? In this protocol, bottoms don't own their own collars. Tops own the collars and ask their bottoms to wear them and maintain them for them in order to denote their ownership, which I thought was interesting. Sometimes there was sex and romance involved, but that wasn't the main part of these relationships. It was the mentorship. It was the learning of the ropes, teaching of this protocol and lifestyle and dynamics and stuff like that, and even just teaching them sexy topping activities or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was more about the learning and figuring out the ropes of this community than it was about a romantic or sexual relationship a lot of times. And so they weren't always long-term. So when when a bottom was done learning from a master or from a top, they would return the collar to them, and then the top could give that to their next mentee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there was a rule that bottoms were to walk half a step behind and to the left of their top. There were oftentimes formal speech restrictions for the bottoms and for hierarchy among tops, such as referring to each other as sir or master. For slaves, for example, I'm sure there were speech restrictions, like you don't speak unless spoken to, stuff like that. Also, I just wanted to mention eye contact or lack thereof as a protocol. This is not okay unless it's in your dynamic and you have negotiated it. Us neurodivergent people can't keep up with y'all's wanting eye contact, not wanting eye contact. We don't like it anyway. So just leave us alone. So a lot of times they would say that the more dominant person is the one to make more eye contact. So... The bottom looks away first. If you meet someone's eyes, the person to look away first has to be the bottom. That was like one of the rules that some places had. Yeah, I don't know. They often said that the dom would not make eye contact at all with the bottom unless they had interest in their submission. And they would not make eye contact with another dom unless they were wanting to challenge that dom's position. All of this is just kind of ridiculous and so neurotypical and just ableism and confusion and y'all got your jock strips in a twist sometimes (laughs) no honestly like within your dynamic if you have negotiated eye contact restrictions or speech any of these things totally valid totally respect that we just are neurodivergent and struggle with eye contact things yeah i can can only do it as like a sadistic thing yeah he likes to look at my 
make me no I, I look through people it's very unsettling and I enjoy it so much what you do is like you, I know what you do you've taught me yeah you look at the person and then like you immediately look at the wall behind them and just stare through them great tip for Doms out there no yes anyway so those are some of the protocols I also wanted to mention like um those who have learned from old guard sometimes call themselves new guard. Mm-hmm. That was a new term I'd heard. Um, and so if you are old guard, if you are new guard, that's fantastic. I'm very happy for you. I'm happy you found something that works and something that gives you a sense of purpose or a sense of community or whatever it is that you were searching for that you found there. I love leather. I am very excited to learn more and continue my journey in leather. Yeah. Don't try to make your way the only way. Don't put people in boxes that don't want to be put in boxes. Point blank period. End of podcast. Bye. No. So, you know, just have your thing, but let other people have theirs too. Leather now is a lot of times, you know, well, the community is what we make it. And a lot of people are wanting to preserve the history, but also evolve with the times. And I think that that's really important because we are welcoming people in who deserve and are more than worthy of acceptance and love and community and why the hell would we ever shut anybody out that's not what leather's about leather's about love it's about community it's about safety acceptance everybody should have that and that's my idea of leather anyway yeah a lot of leather people nowadays are out and proud and fighting the laws that are being made against the community or against the LGBT community, against racial equality, gender equality. Uh, they, they were huge in the fight against FOSTA-SESTA alongside sex workers. And there's a lot of leather sex workers. So, you know, it's just... I think that leather and old guard, quote-unquote, can be very beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I have seen it be twisted. And that's yeah, less beautiful. I've seen it used as very exclusionary, very gatekeepy, mm-hmm. um, and that's not okay. Yeah, I would say that's. I mean, I understand like honoring the old rules and old ways, but people change. Mm-hmm. The times change. People evolve. They change. That's as humans. That's what we do. That's the one thing humans are the most amazing at is being able to adapt and change to things new things that are happening yeah and once you find out that something you believed or said or thought before was wrong there is no shame in changing yourself and your ideas to what's right the facts that's what happens in life Mm -hmm. science finds out new things every single day oh yeah and you're if you don't change with it you I'm sorry, you just look stupid. When you have beliefs and ideals based in archaic foundations, you you just look stupid. Sorry. Do the work. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you said leather now, and I immediately thought, is that our new streaming service? Mm-hmm. Leather now, a new subsidy of LGBTQ+. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe today. Only $4.99. <laughs> it's just like leather crafting and leather working stuff yes. and leather history. 
Yes, I would love that. I would subscribe. That would be to that awesome. Show. I would love yes. that. Note to anybody out there. Actually, I don't trademark, have any money. Trademark, but someone do that for us. Yeah, if you do that for us, I gave you the idea. Yeah. So we get a, f- a lifetime subscription because we're poor. We, but we awesome idea. Leather now. Anyway, Daddy, <laughs> do you have a daddy joke to end us with today? It's already time for that. It is. Look at the time. Eleven, eleven. Eleven, eleven. Make a wish. Oh, yes. Are you going to tell it? What? The, the joke. Oh, I thought you were going to ask for my wish. Because if I did that, it would have come true. Well, now it's eleven twelve. So. Well, it, I already wished it. Okay. So there. Proudy. I would never ask for someone's wish, unless it was in like a sexy way. Nice. What's your wish? Tell me what's your fantasy. Uh, tell this joke. Okay, go ahead and tell the joke then. I yeah. wish you would. It, it's it's my joke. I made this up on my own. I'm really proud of it. I'm so proud of you, babe. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Especially if it's made up by you. Mm-hmm. It does have to deal with honorifics, kind of. Mm. So, why did Sir Melon have to ask permission from the king to marry? I don't know why. Because he can't elope.